Welcome to Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Robbie Straczynski, and thanks so much for joining us on episode number 30 of Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town. Today, we welcome one of the absolute goats in poker. He is one of, if not the most successful online tournament player of all time with over $16.6 million in online tournament earnings alone. He's, uh, I think it must be like 700 time pocket fives, triple crown winner. Uh, He's probably won a couple more since I started this introduction. Um, He's also had huge success in the live realm with under just under $6 million in tournament earnings. And he's a WSOP bracelet winner. He's a WPT champion. He's written two books. The man has just done it all. And he has no intention of slowing down anytime soon. Chris Mormon, welcome to the Cards Chat Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast, Robbie. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Good. How are you on this fine day? Yeah, not too bad. I mean, yeah, just not long woken up, but... uh, Hopefully, good day ahead, and uh, yeah, happy to talk to you. That's good. Sun shining in Vegas, so that's a good way to start the day. Um, yeah. So let's start out with one of your most recent wins. Always good to start out on a high note. High note. Uh, you won a WSOP circuit ring and just over nineteen thousand five hundred dollars along with it, which is kind of small change compared to some of your other wins. But this one had a very unique story. So who did you beat to win the ring, Chris? Um, yeah, I actually ended up getting heads up against my, my wife. Uh, it's the first time. Yeah. I think it's the first time we've ever been heads up in a tournament. Mm -hmm. Like a couple of times before we'd been free handed and both times, um, we'd act, neither of us actually won. (laughs) So (laughs) yeah. So it was nice to just get heads up to be like, okay, well, is going to win this time at least, you know? And then from there, it was kind of a weird feeling because, um, it was for a circuit ring and I'm, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't somebody who's, I was more bothered about, uh, World Series Poker bracelets. Right. And actually it's funny because Katie, my wife, she's actually want, wanted to win a circuit ring way more than a bracelet, which, mm-hmm. you know, to me, I can't fathom that, but yeah, she, she was like, okay, that's more attainable for me, I guess. And she had had lots of opportunities before maybe made like 10 final tables and it's just kind of not gone her way. And so I knew how much she wanted to win, but also the competitor in me was like, well, she's going to have to beat me to get it, you know? Right. Well, you know, the song, it goes, if you like it, then you should put a ring on it. So, uh, you know, obviously she must get like you very, very much. So she put, <laughs> uh, You said it got a little interesting. I, I can only imagine the feeling for, for both of you as, you know, the tournament, uh, you know, whittles down to just fewer and fewer players. You kind of like, you know, winking at each other. I mean, there's no nothing, nothing untoward, of course, but just like, hey, this is pretty cool. Can you imagine what if? Can you sort of take us through uh, what that feels like to to just be slowly and surely coming down to you and your wife? Um, yeah. So, like, I guess she she was out with a friend actually for dinner, so she was just playing the tournament on her iPad, right. and then obviously um, she finished dinner and. She, uh, I guess it was maybe like 20 left getting deep. So she decided to come back home and sort of uh-huh. focus a bit more, get on, log back onto the computer. So she came back after a few drinks and uh, <laughs> was just playing in the living room. I was just playing in the office kind of. I'd just been one one or two table in it watching some TV shows. And obviously, uh, 
yeah, turn them off when it started getting deep and that. And so we played, yeah, it wasn't until the, uh, till we got heads up that we, uh, she moved into my office and we started having some banter during the hands as well. Kind of, <laughs> I remember one point actually, she ended up bluffing to me in this hand and she gave me the Scotty Wen line about if you call, it's going to be all over. And I, I wanted to call, but I don't know. I had a really bad hand to call with, so I was a bit torn, but I felt like she might be bluffing, but I ended up folding. She later told me she was bluffing. So there's a bit of banter going back and forth. And, um, yeah, we were like, uh, every time someone busted on the final table, I could hear her sort of cheering from the other room because it was, you know, it wasn't just a ladder for her, it's a ladder for both of us. So, right. you know, that's like doubly good feeling. Um, so, yeah, we tuned in. I think there was a poker news we're doing like a Twitch stream. So we, we tuned into that. And actually the guy following it didn't know at first that I was at the final table. So it was quite funny when he found out that I was there with Katie and he was, yeah, he was hyping us up almost more because he was, he was so excited. So oh my yeah, it was good fun. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, it was a, it was a very memorable tournament because, you know, some tournaments can just sort of be a bit, especially online, a bit sort of, you know, the same old, same old. You know. Sure. Sure. And, um, you know, it feels like rinse and repeat kind of thing, but this one right. is definitely very unique. Right. So you guys made a deal heads up, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Never. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but, you know, like, like, again, like you said, it's a, it's a very cool thing. It's obviously not your standard type of tournament. I imagine a lot of at least people in our audience here in the cards chat community, you know, maybe kind of have that as a little bit of a dream. Oh, my God, if I could be against my partner, heads up for, I don't know, a bracelet for a ring. Uh, you know, certainly living the dream. And that's something that both of you can take with you uh, for the rest of your of your poker careers. Um, was there any bit of perhaps a mixed emotion? You know, obviously you're happy to win, but are you a little sad that she didn't or, or vice versa or something like that? Um, yeah, I almost... Like, obviously, I, you know, I wanted to win, but I, I almost didn't really want to, to be honest. It's like, it's like the weirdest thing. Because in my life, you know, I've been heads up many times and uh, I don't care if I'm playing like a good friend of mine. I, you know, I want to beat them even more. And normally I would want to beat her even more, but it was something that I knew she really wanted. And then for me to take that away from her kind of felt a bit mean. And for something that I didn't want that much anyway as well. But... I knew obviously I had to sort of play my best and make her own it. And if she won, then props to her kind of thing. But I did feel a bit guilty because, you know, I'd sort of taken so-and-so like a, a dream thing away from her. Obviously I know that, you know, there's plenty more chances and I, I think, she, you know, she'll do it in the future. I'm sure uh, if you want something that bad, put your mind to it, you'll, you'll get it done, you know? But at the time I did feel bad because, Normally, you're, you know, when you're playing heads up, you're playing for extra money. So I wasn't, I was just playing for the title, which I wasn't that bothered about. And I knew that she was bothered about. So it was, it was tough because um, normally you're just, you're just trying to win at all costs. You're like, I got there in a big hand where I was semi bluffing on the flop. It was pretty gross, actually. I think it was like a, maybe like a, um, I'm going to say it was like a ace, eight, eight board. And I had seven, six, so I just see that with nothing. And she called. And then the turn was an, uh, a nine, so now I had an open-ended right. straight draw. And uh, decided to bet once more, like maybe she called the flop king high or something or, and uh, get it to fold. And she called again. So now I was like, you know, I was probably going to shut down because I thought she had at least had an eight, uh, ace, but maybe she slow played an eight or something. And um, 
and I just didn't think she would fold it with my sort of <laughs> knowing she knows how aggressive I am and stuff. So uh, anyway, the river, I ended up river in the straight, I think a five on the river. So it's very disguised as well. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I felt bad about it. And but, you know, I still had to play the hand and I sure. overshoved all in for value. And she slow played an eight with Jack eight, I think. So wow. yeah, I ended up doubling up there in a huge pot. So, yeah. I, you know, normally you're like, oh my God, I got there. You're so excited. And this time I was like, oh my God, I'm in trouble. <laughs> How many nights did you sleep on the couch, Chris? That's what we wanted. Uh, no, she took it well. Like, okay. like, yeah. Very good. All right. Well, that was obviously just one of many more recent online scores for you. Um, you know, last year, I mean, pretty much every poker player had to pivot to playing exclusively online. Um, and, you know, for you, that's your bread and butter. So I'm wondering, you know, you are someone who had, obviously, for, for many years, been traveling the world, playing lots of live poker. Did you kind of enjoy getting back to your roots sort of in a way and then exclusively focusing uh, online a bit again? Um, yeah, 100% because actually at the time, I guess that year, like in January, I played a bunch of live tournaments and I think the last live tournament I played was uh, the LAPC. Mm-hmm. And by the end, I kind of just, you know, it was only a few tournament sample size, but total January, I didn't cash any of the live tournaments. And uh I was kind of, you know, it's quite draining when you don't cash live. Obviously, it's like a small, you know, 10 tournaments, not even that probably. So it can easily happen. But I was kind of over live and was just like, oh, I kind of just want to focus online for a bit. And, you know, obviously, it's tough to do that normally because there's a big tournament every sort of few weeks and you feel like you have to be in there. And like, if, you can't, if you're not in it, you can't win it, you know. Right. So, but now this side was forced to do that kind of. So it's actually was almost a blessing in disguise for me. I just got to sort of go back to playing online, um, focus on my bread and butter and sort of build my confidence back again after, a, you know, a, few, a rough couple of months of live poker, which, you know, can happen all the time. So it wasn't a big deal, but sure. it was actually, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I played like maybe more tournaments last year than I played in sort of in any year for the previous like six or seven years. So yeah. I like, went back to my roots, like proper grinding it out and uh, uh, ended up doing really good. So yeah, it was definitely a sort of, fun grind for me. Well, that's good. That's a nice silver lining to, uh, you know, obviously a worldwide cloud there, but, uh, you know, good. That's, that's really good. And I'm sure, it, like you said, boosted your confidence and, you know, probably improved with every, uh, with every tournament. Um, yeah. And you just get to sort of take your mind off of everything else that's going on. You know, you need something else going on just to sort of not think too deeply about the world and all that yeah, stuff. You know? Absolutely. Um, you know, we mentioned, uh, you know, Pocket Fives in the beginning. According to Pocket Fives, your first recorded online tournament cash came way back, uh, see here, on July 2nd, 2006. You finished fifth in a $216 buy-in tourney for $13,000, and you've been killing it online. It's now 15 years. So how have you seen, and obviously, you know, you've been there for forever, how have you seen the online poker tournament game evolve over the last decade and a half um yeah i mean it's, it's changed completely that was actually a funny tournament because before that i was playing cash games okay. and the, the site that i played on got shut down uh for the uiga ga whatever it's called uh it was a doll's room kind of the skin oh, of that back in sure. And I didn't have any accounts actually at the time on PokerStars or Portal or any of that. And um, I was at university and I wasn't very good with computers. So I was waiting for my friend to help me with Poker Tracker and set it up on the, the other sites so I could play again. 
and I didn't want to play without it because I just relied on it a lot back then. So I, you know, I wanted a poker fix though, and he was doing. Uh, he had university exams that week, so he was, wasn't going to be able to help me for a week. So I just dabbled in some tournaments, and I hadn't really played tournaments before that point. And you know, I got fifth in like a decent one on a Sunday to start off, and everyone was playing terrible, and I kind of got the bug from there, and I never really <laughs> went back to cash games seriously. That was kind of the start of tournaments for me. So yeah, it's kind sure. of crazy. It like, you know, obviously helps when you have a good score right off the bat. You know, I was very fortunate in that respect. But um, yeah, the the games have sort of gone, yeah, like, you know, stuff. I remember back in the day, you were never allowed to call in your big blind. It was, you know, with a bad hand. It was, you see someone do that with like King Six off or something and you'd instantly fish tag them. And obviously, you know, back then everyone was raising bigger and it was weird because you're raising bigger, but then you weren't supposed to pull in the big blind. So it made no sense. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, like everything's changed now. There's a lot of other programs, you know, computer programs out there to help you back in the day when I started, you just had to rely on chain strategies with different players. So I made friends with uh, people from all around the world and kind of mixed their strategies together. Like I had friends from uh, Scandinavia who were very aggressive. And then I had some like tighter friends like from UK or whatever. And back then, and yeah, so like mix it all up and just develop my game through that trial and error kind of thing. Wow. Almost not as extreme as like back in the day with like Dole Brunson and stuff, counting the cards out and working out the odds, but <laughs> it feels like that these days, you know? Right. Well, how, mu- <clears throat> how much harder do you have to work now compared to, you know, back in the day for 10, 15 years ago, just to sort of stay ahead of the curve and keep on being profitable. Yeah, I think you do have to work hard a bit. It's kind of like a different work. Maybe you work more off the table. Like when you're, you'll play your game when you're at the table and you only really change it for certain opponents who are playing very differently. Um, But back then you kind of worked, but you more, you just, put in the volume so you're working at the tables you you know pretty much every tournament the, the tournaments were such good value that every tournament you played you uh, uh plus ev and and uh, you just played the volume as many tables as you could like without timing out and uh played every day and like played days when i didn't want to play and you just sort of did it that way and like um learn what whilst you go you so, so you learn through more experience of playing and now you sort of learn more off the table and then put it into practice when you play kind of thing interesting i mean you talk about you know burning out you talked about last year uh you know you've played more tournaments than you know you can remember in previous years that's obviously a lot of play what do you do during your downtime to sort of chill and, and relax um yeah it was hard because like when um lockdown first sort of happened every tournament exploded you know it was back to sort of like the old days of tournaments you know there's multiple tournaments with 50k for first every day yeah. so you felt like you had to play every day and maybe i did that first three three weeks or so and you know mixed results and uh also i was just kind of feeling very you know grumpy when it didn't go my way and stuff and i realized you know i needed a bit more balance so yeah i try and like uh go out um just you know uh for walks and exercise a bit find clear your mind and uh yeah just sort of hang out with katie and like obviously back in the day i was just grinding on my own so that's all i would do is play if i wasn't playing poker or maybe i'd play video games or something that's about right. it so i was always on a device and stuff like that so now i try and sort of give myself time away from the computer and mm. um yeah just be a bit more balanced so that so that you know my de- my happiness on the days and 
all determined by whether I won or lost the poker. That's all. The balance is obviously uh, so key. Um, You know, at the top of the show, Chris, I listed so many of your many of your accomplishments in poker, uh, and not many have been so wildly successful, both online as well as in live. You're 35 now, right? Um. Yes. Okay. So in under five years, you're going to be eligible for the Poker Hall of Fame. Is that something that you ever think about, that you care about? And whether you do or don't, do you think you'll get in right away? Um, I haven't re- I haven't really thought about that much just because I think like, you know, obviously it's actually not that far away, but 40 to me, like, you know, it's like when you're approaching 30, it feels old, but 40, right. I'm like, oh no, now I'd really have to grow up and stop making <laughs> silly life mistakes of like forgetting to turn the, the oven off or whatever, you know, the stuff I do daily that Katie gets annoyed at. But, uh, no, I mean, obviously, it'd be nice to be there and, like, it would be cool. It's kind of crazy, like, looking back, you know, you look at all the names in there. I saw, remember back in the day uh, watching old WPT episodes and stuff when I was just started playing. And, you know, if you get to – I um, looked up to and would, you know, like, even, like, the first time I – played a tournament with Dan Harrington was cool. Mm. You know, he used to read his books all the time. Sure. Uh, that's how I first started to learn the game. So that was cool. Just different milestones like that. So I think pretty much every pro that I'd sort of looked up to and watched when I first started playing, I've played with now. So every time I play with a new person, it's it's interesting to see what, what they're like and that. So, so yeah, to be included alongside them would be really cool. But, you know, if it happens, it happens. And, you know, uh, I haven't got really like any great expectations on it. Okay, that, that's fair. I mean, you do have like a you know a whole trophy cabinet. You got a quite the extensive poker resume. Is there anything missing? Anything you're kind of coveting, or you say, oh, I got to win one of those? Um, yeah, I like a couple of things. Like I, I'd always wanted to win um, the, tr- the triple crown live. So I have two of the three. I have the, the two easier ones, the the, the WSP bracelet and. The, WPT just because there's a lot more of them and the WPT some of them are rebuys as well um so yeah like I know it that was a big thing for me when in the world series poker bracelet so every year I would you know grind it out every summer and when I finally did that that was amazing but uh so the one I'm missing is uh BPT which is mm-hmm. quite tough for me now because there's only a few events and in general I don't like to go completely out my way to travel so I only really play maybe Barcelona each year. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to play the PCA, but that got canceled. So I'm only really playing one, maybe two events per year. So, you know, and that, that field's got over a thousand players. So it's, you know, realistically, it's very tough. But, I, you know, I'd love to do it just to win the Triple Crown Live after winning so many online. It feels like, uh, I, you know, something I need to do. And actually, I was like one, I think I'd won 29 at the time online. And I started going deep in EPT Barcelona. I mean, I was still like, you know, 200 or left. I was in the money and I had a good stack. And I was like, oh my God, if I'd get the 30 for one life, that'd be amazing. But then I then I got, my, you know, I got too far ahead of myself and, you know, can't do that in poker. So yeah, <laughs> winning an EPT would be great. And then also kind of crazy. I never won a scoop or a W coop in my life, which no. is ridiculous. Oh my goodness. I didn't do so, Yeah, I, like the scoop's coming up soon. So I'm going to. I'm traveling to Mexico because I just uh-huh. bought a house last year there. So I'm going to go down to Mexico, grind some of that, and hopefully, you know, get get my first scoop tile, like 
15 years after starting playing them. So, yeah, like, so just to win, like, obviously, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a huge thing, but obviously, you need to have goals and, um, yeah, just to, you know, give yourself challenges and stuff. So, yeah, I'd sure. love to win either of those. It would be great. Sure. Well, congrats on the, the house in Mexico. And, of course, uh, to everything, there is a time and a season. So uh, perhaps your time is coming uh, to add those final little trinkets. Uh, a couple trinkets that you have won. Uh, you've won the Remington Trophy uh, for your WPT title in 2014. And you've also won the Wynn Summer Classic. And that comes with, like, a trophy that looks like a, a replica of the Wynn Hotel. Which one's cooler? Um, probably the Remington. It's just the heaviest thing you'll ever. <laughs> like I get people to lift it up and they like almost drop it. It's so heavy. It's crazy. But uh, the win one's cool as well. I remember because uh, I've actually won. I think I won two win trophies uh-huh. and Katie won one. But it's kind of funny. Hers was for a lower buy-in than mine, but somehow she got a bigger trophy. I don't know how that works. <laughs> Maybe they like her more there. But um, <laughs> But yeah, that was cool. The first one I won, just like shaped like the wind. Like the wind's pretty much like maybe my favorite place to play in uh, in Vegas. Uh, like all the floor is so friendly, and, like the tournament's really well run and stuff like that. So to win those um, was cool, especially because one of the ones I won it was like, a one day turbo. So that's like my ideal live tournament because I hate day ones and the whole grinding out three days and just to like you know the thing. Probably live poker is it's just like. You play maybe three days, and then a lot of time you're going to be disappointed at the end, even if you go deep. So, like to play a one day sort of turbo, it's turbo tournament, <laughs> and it was, yeah, a great feeling just because it's you know nonstop action. It felt a lot more like online where you uh, every every hand's important and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Excellent. Um, well, you know, we have one more question that I prepared before we get into the community questions. Uh, you mentioned, you know, the wind, such a friendly place to play, such great staff. Uh, one question we always love to ask our interviewees here on the Cards Chat podcast, who is the friendliest poker player you've ever faced at the felt? Friendliest, huh? Um, hmm. Good question. I actually never been asked that question, so I need to... There we go. Have a little, have a little think. Friendly, huh? Well, besides Katie, obviously, who faced <laughs> She would be up there. She's always chatting to everyone and uh, making... She's always got a new friend. Like, when I play on... When I play live, uh-huh. basically uh, how I do in the tournament determines if I had fun or not. Uh-huh. Whereas she could like lose in the tournament and have like a great time and have a new friend that she's going out with the next day. Like oh. I can't, like I can't, I can't even remember really making a friend at the poker table. I'm kind of all business when I'm playing, but <laughs> she is she's getting everyone to take shots and do all kinds of stuff. So yeah, um, but yeah, for me, friendliest, damn. I'm struggling with that one just because, like, I don't really like um, tend to get too much into it at the table. Like, I like to sort of keep myself to myself and focus on what I'm doing and not like get distracted because I'm easily distracted. I know that, like, I don't listen to music at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like to sort of focus on what's going on and make sure I don't miss anything. But yeah. So I'm really struggling to give you a name on that one. That's Sorry. okay. I think we can give you a pass. You know, we'll we'll give you a time bank on that one if you happen to think of yeah, somebody well, before we figure something out for the end of the episode. Sounds good. All right. Well, this is the portion of the show where we turn to you guys, our Cards Chat community, to see what questions you wanted to ask our guests. Of course, we have a dedicated thread for this on the Cards Chat forum. So as we announce who our future guests are going to be, that gives you the opportunity to submit your questions. So thanks very, very much to Crystals, who submits our first questions here. Uh, Of course, Chris, you are an 888-sponsored pro. 
Um, what is it that about 888 that initially drew you to their site to represent them? Um, I think it was just that, like um, every, it was a small group of people. So you knew everyone. So I got to meet um, the people I'd be dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. And I, I got on well with them, liked all of them. And um, like, for example, I even like um, went out to Israel one time to meet, go to the headquarters, meet everyone who works day-to-day -day at the company. Uh, they were all excited to, to meet the pros and stuff like that. And I just like to be in one of a small number of people rather than sort of one of 50 50 pros or something like that. So it was good that you got to know everyone individually and uh, build relationships there and you could uh, make a difference uh, just asking your feedback and stuff like that. Oh, excellent. Well, shout out to Israel. That's where I live. It's a great place to live, great place to come and visit. Um, yeah. Which of the eight of your fellow 888 poker ambassadors is the toughest player to play against? Um, I actually like, well, he's not there anymore, but uh, I really didn't like playing against Martin Jacobson just because he, <laughs> he, um, well, he's has that like, you know, intimidating stare down for a start. And then I went deep. I actually made a final table with him live before in uh, Montreal. And just a couple of, you know, it's small sample size. So it's just the way it can go sometimes. But I had a couple of hands where I made a big hand and he had no money into the pot. And then I had one other hand where I had like a, a bluff catcher and he, he, he ended up shoving the river on me and I was in a tough spot and I ended up folding. But I don't, I, you know, I don't know if he had it or not. But, um, you know, it was just, someone I wanted to avoid on the final table. He was definitely one of the stronger players and that, uh, you know, he's got the intimidating stare down as well. He certainly does. Uh, you know, of course, shout out to Martin. He was one of our past guests here on the Cards Chat podcast. I'm looking, I'm trying to remember the exact episode. It's episode number 23 with Martin Jacobson. So, of course, feel free. It's always a good uh, opportunity to let all of our listeners know. Go back after you listen to this one, episode number 30. We got 29 other great episodes for you to listen to. Um, our next question comes from Shells. Thank you very much, Shells, for submitting these. Um, Chris, you don't seem to have any trouble playing or adjusting from online to live poker. But which do you prefer? Um, yeah, like I prefer online, as you probably guessed from this mm. podcast. But <laughs> um, when you get beat and actually make the final table, then I prefer live. Like it's definitely more ex exciting when you get, you know, in that position with real chips and, mm. uh, you know, you've the money feels more real and uh, normally you're playing for bigger prize pools live as well. And it's definitely more fun when you sort of playing face to face, but you know, in poker tournaments, you don't get, get there that often on any individual tournament. So that the amount of time you have to put in live to get, to get there to me, it's not worth it a lot of the time, but when you do get there, life's way better. But most of the time, like if I was, I would like, I don't know, maybe I'd if, say I had to play six days next week. Maybe I'd do five online and one live, you know. Uh -huh. so that's kind of like, I definitely prefer online a lot, but I still enjoy it. it was kind of funny because I actually just played my first couple of live tournaments back since uh, the, yeah, the whole lockdowns. And um, so I hadn't played for over a year, which is kind of probably the longest I'd ever been sure. not playing live poker since I started playing poker. So it was kind of, I didn't know if I was going to, um, get right back into it or feel nervous or but um you know you sit down a bit nervous first tournament i think it was the the 5k wpt venetian so i jumped in right, right in the deep end right in the deep end yeah. 
this is okay, we're going for and actually <laughs> day one was that normally I hate day ones, but day one was exciting. I enjoyed it. Um I actually was ship leader at one point. I didn't end up cashing, so that's classic me. But um I had fun doing it and uh I was yeah, I like played a couple of tournaments since then. So mm -hmm. uh and I didn't have any teething problems. So I, I wasn't like that nervous or it just felt like riding a bike, you'd get back into it straight away. So that was cool because I wasn't sure what to expect after so long away. That must be uh, kind of a relief, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It was like I came into it thinking, oh, I, you know, I got to play this really. Like, I'm not looking forward to it that much, but it's a good value tournament. It's like on my doorstep, no travel costs. Right. Uh, big prize pool. Yeah. And like, I'm going to have to wear a mask all the time playing, not that, you know, not that comfortable and stuff. But actually, it wasn't too bad. And I actually ended up enjoying it, which <laughs> was very surprising to me. So, yeah, it was, it was a nice surprise. I'm glad to hear it. Um, also from Shells, out of all your poker wins, both online and live, do you have a favorite one? Um, yeah, I think I think I'd say the World Poker Tour that won uh, in LA, the LAPC, was just yeah the best one for me, just because of the timing as well. Like at the time, I'd been going through, I'd had to drop. I was before that. I was used to stake a lot of players just by myself. And I, at one point I was staking 35 different players by myself. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of, you know, like I'd have days where I had a day before where I <coughs> had a tournament for $90,000 and I lost money on the day. So it was like <laughs> it was stupid, stupid stuff like that. So <laughs> the swings were crazy. And in the end, um, it, it didn't work out. Like it, I, definitely should have had like a, a manager helping me with everyone but i was trying to manage 35 different people and manage myself and play so yeah it was way too much i was undertaking uh in the end i had to get rid of everyone and sort of start over and i'd lost a lot of my bankroll which like you know you feel kind of you feel kind of embarrassed and bad about it i'd you know i'd been winning for years and i hadn't really lost it myself but other mm. people had lost it so right. it's kind of sucked you know like having to explain to your dad yeah yeah kind of yeah <laughs> made some bad decisions here and i was like, okay try to look at the positives and um be like okay i can grind the smaller tournaments and it'll mean a lot to me again and uh, it would be exciting but it was harder than i thought it was going to be those smaller tournaments there's thousands of players and uh, i was more used to playing you know tournaments of hundreds of players so you go through thousands of players and come 15th it's very uh a lot more painful you get not that much for it and right. you spend a lot of time doing it <clears throat> And so I became a bit bitter and I was not a good person to be around for a few months. So I took a break from live poker, I hadn't played for a bit. Uh, I started working with a mental coach, which I only really did because Katie convinced me to do it and give it a try. I was, came in very negative about it and actually one of the best things I ever did in my life, to be honest. Mm. And I'd only been working for it with him for like a month or so, but I was already feeling better. And so I decided to go into the LAPC, uh, sell a bit of the action because it was a 10K line, so that was bigger than I was playing at the time. And, yeah, just to end up winning it. So wow. it was crazy. Like, I sort of turned my life around in, like, what in one live tournament and wow. uh, felt calm the whole way, felt really good about things. And, huh. uh, yeah, it was my first big live title as well, even though I'd been playing live poker for so long. I'd had a lot of second and third places. So to um, to to win heads up and get finally close one out. It was 
perfect timing. That's an incredibly unexpected and deep answer to a question I thought, like, well, I don't know, something in Montreal because the city's beautiful or a bracelet. Like, what a story. What an, what an incredible thing. Thank you for sharing that, Chris. Um, we've got three more community members who had some questions. Um, Acid Burn FX always asks some very interesting and um, unusual questions, perhaps. Um, okay. Chris, what crime would you commit if you would not be arrested for it? <laughs> What crime would I commit if I could not be arrested for it? <laughs> um, hmm. Good question. You know, you don't uh, think about this all the time? <laughs> <laughs> you don't think about this one all the time? You don't have like a ready answer? No, not really. <laughs> um, I what then? I'm trying to think of the possible options. Think, give me some possible options, Robert. Oh, would you sense. would you just uh, walk into the Bellagio cage, take all the cranberries, for example, or something? Like that? <laughs> um, I feel like it wouldn't be something to do with money because I don't know. Like money to me comes and goes, and I'm not that hmm. bothered by it. But hmm. but then like I don't really want to commit something that's bad. <laughs> right. Like the, I wouldn't even think about wanting to do anyway. Like I, I don't have anyone out there I want to murder that I secretly want to murder, and I sure. don't want to do it because I might get caught. So it's like I don't know. Like there might there'll be there has to be something, I guess. How but, about trespassing on someone's property just to check out their house? Yeah, maybe I'd like screw over some of the um, like rich um, financial companies or something. You know, like the, the big businesses, like you know do a hack or something maybe a hack would be kind of cool just to like we get one over on them and then give it to like i don't know people who need it more than them so maybe like oh. hack hack the big financial companies or something like that robin hood style very cool yeah, okay yeah. uh and the acid burns second question is which item in your home would you save in a fire and why <laughs> i actually had this question before oh really and, oh. i mean yeah, there, like there's two. I have two different answers, really. Like in in the moment, I wouldn't be thinking rationally that rationally, so I wouldn't be thinking about like a memory or like taking a pictures and stuff like that. Which is what I would, you know, if I had time to evaluate, I'd take something like that because they're sort of priceless. Right. Um, but in like in the moment, I probably just grab some something my laptop or something something small and like you know my laptop my ipad like you know i could get a new one and it's not like i have anything that's that you know valuable on there really i don't have like tons of like uh important files so mm -hmm. and it's you know they're not that expensive but just in the moment i'd be like oh that's quick and easy i can just put that under my arm and grab right. it but if i was thinking about it and i had time to sort of think i would like definitely grab some kind of like um just stuff you know like I have saved like memories, like old um, car cards, birthday cards, and stuff from families like family that I keep and stuff like that. Just priceless memories that you can't sure. really. Yeah, but like in the moment, I just grab like a laptop. <laughs> right. So you got to take pictures of all those things and upload them to the cloud. I think that's the <laughs> that's the lesson for the fire. Um, two more community members. Here's one uh, who's never, whose name has never appeared before. It's Ace Me Now. Thank you, Ace Me Now, for submitting this very interesting question. Uh, you know, we opened the show with a lot of talk about uh, your heads up with Katie. Uh, you know, in case Ace Me Now says as follows: Pretty amazing that you and Katie wound up heads up at the WSOP Super Series. Um, just curious, do you guys study together, 
or do you study independently? That's a, a good question. Um, yeah, we study independently. Like I tried, I tried once to like uh, buy like um, like one of the packages online and watch some of the videos with her, but it wasn't really. She didn't find that uh, format very interesting, mm. and she's more of a practical like studier so like she'll ask me a question after she's played a session she'll like save a hand for me and ask me a question about you know i wasn't sure what to do in this spot and what like so then I, we can talk about uh different strategies and in, in those kind of spots whereas i'm more do my own stuff watching videos and learning there and uh maybe running some sims or something like that and then um finding some answers there so i kind of like do my own stuff and then she'll ask me some questions when stuff comes up for her interesting oh, that's a good answer and it's also interesting to hear how different people learn uh different ways yeah obviously. i think it depends like what kind of person you are so right. definitely side of the brain and stuff right it's just of course uh, exceptionally lucky to have uh, a great poker brain uh you know right there in, in the same house um our final question for you chris is from tpac thank you very much tpac uh, it's a, a bit of a complex one, but I you know we saved this one for last because uh, I think a lot of people would want to know the answer here. How can a recreational player succeed against a field full of pros in a WSOP event? Rec players generally don't have the deep bankroll to afford more than one or two bullets. Should we be a little tighter early, play ABC poker? What do we need to bring to the table to give us our best chance at a cash or a deep run? Um, yeah, I mean, I, obviously it depends on your table and like anything, but, um, I think, you know, when you, I, I would say like probably play tight, but aggressive, like is the easiest way to, um, mix it up with the pros. Like I'm not, yeah, don't get in there with, don't sort of be calling their op uh, pros opens with like, you know, these kind of like very sort of perspective marginal hands where you could potentially hit a big hand like the amount of times that's really going to happen is not not going to like make it worth it but like, you want to when you know like when you're entering pots you maybe want to be re-raising the pro in position it's definitely a good strategy you know if not like just with good hands that like maybe like king queen off so don't uh rather than you could just call but you know the pros. Most of the time, you're not going to hit the flop. Pro is going to continuation. Now you don't know what to do. You, you like you put yourself in tougher spots. Like if you re-raise, um, they're going to often as long as you're not playing like every hand, they're going to give you a lot of respect for your re-raise and play quite um, honestly against it. Um, you know, pros don't like to sort of. You know, you might play against um, an amateur who never folds pre-flop. But pros will fold pre-flop. Like if they have a marginal hand. Um, so yeah, I would just sort of play, say, play selective, play tight, but play aggressive when you enter the pot and, uh, not be, not be afraid. Like at the end of the day, it's a pro, but they have two cards. You have two cards, a pro. It's not like a pro never makes mistakes. Pros always make mistakes. I always make mistakes. Uh, no one's perfect. So don't be afraid that they're going to be able to see for you and, um, and also, like, think about your image. If you haven't had any cards and you've been playing tight, then, it, you know, it's probably a good time you can get away with a bluff. And if um, you've just had a run of good cards and but no one's seen them, then you're going to maybe have a looser image. So uh, probably not the best time to run a bluff. So just think of simple things like that and how your image is at the table and uh, work off that. 
I like it. Solid advice from a solid guy, a solid player. Uh, and thank you, TPAC. That was a great question. Certainly some uh, advice from Chris there that I'm going to take as a recreational, a fellow recreational player uh, next time I sit down in a big tournament against the pros. Um, well, thanks everyone for sending in your questions for Chris Moorman. For Chris Moorman, uh, just a friendly reminder to our Cards Chat community. We'd love to see you submit your questions for our future podcast guests in the dedicated thread on the forums. And of course, please be sure to give us a good review on iTunes and spread the word via your social media channels if you'd like the show. Chris, before we let you go, anything else you'd like to tell uh, our listeners today? Uh, yeah, for the uh, friendless poker pro that I came across. Ah, um, okay. We were busy. <laughs> it was Cappy Lieber, I'd say. That's Beautiful. My... Yeah, nice. well, it's funny because the first ever uh, live tournament I played was like i qualified for the world series i guess it was the year jamie gold won uh-huh, 2006, and I, so I was yeah. 21 that year i qualified online and then i played uh a one thousand dollar event just to warm up the week before and i got there and uh yeah, there was a few empty seats i guess people hadn't turned up yeah so i was like okay this is nice free blinds and stuff and then all of a sudden all at the same time um i think it was Noah Boken, David Williams, uh, and Kathy Lieber all sat down at the same time. They were chatting to each other. And I was like instantly starstruck and like, yeah, I instantly lost the tournament at this point because, right. yeah, I didn't take my own advice and I kind of was scared. But yeah, she was chatting to all like um, me and the other pl- random players, I assume, were just sort of recreationals. And, uh, yeah, she was chatting to all of them. And then I played against her quite a few times since. I've always seen her chatting to people at the table, having, you know, just having good conversations and, like, having banner with people and just uh, just generally, like, wanting to talk. <laughs> That's awesome. What a great pick. Shout out to Kathy Liebert, certainly the kind of player we love here at the Cards Chat Podcast. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in today to another episode of the Cards Chat Podcast. I'm Robbie Straczynski. You can follow me on Twitter at CardPlayerLife. I wish you all a wonderful day. Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community.